Welcome back to Dakar Rally Daily. I'm Jesse Ziegler. And I'm Quinn Cody. And we are here with Stage 6 Results Show. Man, they're going into the rest day finally. Yeah, I think these guys are pretty happy to have a day off tomorrow. They've been going hard all the whole first week, and they look pretty beaten, battered, and worn out. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to get a day off tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, the I way it so. felt... To, to get up out of bed this morning at 4.30 and, and start uh, working on this thing, I was a, phew, you know, and, and I haven't even ridden this week. No, I haven't ridden anything this week. I rode my van yeah, to the office, and that's not hard. That's really easy. Makes so feel like kind of a whiner yeah. about having to get up at 4.30, and these guys have been posers out here yeah. sitting at a desk talking about racing. Right. Isn't that how it works? People that talk about racing. Don't normally race. Don't really put themselves in the position of those guys out there hanging it out. Speaking of hanging it out, uh, today's stage uh, was supposed to be an insane doozy at, you know, 448 kilometers of special. Um, Because of yesterday, we alluded to this in our show yesterday that, man, there were still people out on the course. We had just a gnarly stage yesterday that beat people up. Um, Kevin broke his nose. Kevin Benavides broke his nose, crashed, still came out on top of the stage. So they're pushing it. It's it's five days in. These guys are getting beat up, worn down. Yeah, <clears throat> and it was a it was a really tough stage. We we saw yeah. you know when we were doing the show yesterday, there was still a bunch of bikes still out on the stage. Yeah, I think you said there was somewhere up up towards like twenty people were still on the stage while we were chatting in the morning here. So uh, all that stuff kind of combines to. Um, the ASO, the organization, shortening today's stage six by about 100 kilometers, delaying the start by an hour and a half to give the organization time probably to catch up with those people that are coming in late. And you explained that to me a little earlier. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's only so many resources that the organization has, and they have to have their safety resources in place before they can start the stage. So if they're still tending to people on the stage from the previous day, then they don't have enough resources to get the stage going in the morning. I mean, they normally they have a couple teams, but you know, the the organization teams are working all night long. Right. So maybe they need just a little extra time before they can get going and and then also shortening the stage to give the competitors who came in late a little bit more time, having a little later start time. Yeah. is kind of going to help these guys stay in the rally, which we're talking about spreading things too thin. So these guys have, um, these guys, the ASO, they have helicopters in the air during the stage, uh, not only television and media copters, but like the medical guys on standby in case somebody has a problem, chopper lands there in a few minutes, picks up somebody who's hurt, gets them to a hospital. Those resources are the ones that get spread thin that um, the racers, all the racers, whether you're, you know, uh, John Beretta leading the stage or you're the guy in last place. They rely on those things as a safety net, you know, for their race. Yeah. And, and that's to the, to the ASO's credit, they won't start the stage unless they have a uh, rescue helicopters in place and ready to go. So if they're yeah. tending to guys that were back on stage five from the day before, yeah. they, you know, they have a hard time getting the stage rolling. So all those things come into play and the ASO makes a decision to delay Stage six is start and shorten it up by 100K, which, yep. um, which yeah. you, you, you know, you can look at it in a different way and, and be possibly critical of it. Um, you know, the ASO has made an effort this year to try to let people back into the rally once they've dropped out and also keep 
more guys in the rally. So uh, you could look at it the other way and say, hey, they're getting soft. They're, you know, yep. trying to make the rally easier for some people when maybe in past years they would have just said, oh, sorry, you guys are out. Yep. You didn't make it in in time and see you later. But the, the rules are if you make it in before your start time, you're good to go the next day. So you can roll up and gas up one minute before your start time is supposed to go and you can take off on the next day. Yep. So if, if you're an elite rider today, you're probably pretty happy. You don't have to get started as early. Yeah. You don't have to maybe race as many miles. That's unless, unless, unless your plan isn't going quite according to plan and you were looking for the maximum amount of time to make up today. Exactly. And, and one of those guys, uh, is, is Ricky Brabeck. Sure. Ricky needs, needs the most opportunities to make up the most time every day to make his strategy play out now because he had a bit of a tough day. Yeah. So physically he's probably pretty happy that he doesn't have to race the full 470 something kilometers, 448 kilometers. Yeah. But at the same time, those are opportunities lost. Yeah. There's time off the clock for a him to gain and for people whose strategy might be the opposite is or on the other side of that pendulum swing we've been talking about, like they have less to lose. So Kind of a double swing there for his disadvantage, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So I think we should get into what happened. Well, stage six was uh, another another fast one. Um, They did have some tough navigation through the dunes. um, And as predicted by my co-host, Quinn Cody, John Bereda got his third stage win of the year. So that guy's just knocking off these (laughs) stage wins like crazy. And... We've I mean, been we've been kind of poo-pooing on Bereda's strategy, saying he's going to hang it out and he's not going to it's not going to last that long. But he keeps kind of proving us wrong. Yeah, he really does. So far, he's been able to hold it together. He, you know, like I said yesterday, he, there there's nobody that can follow tracks and ride from the back like Bereda. He is fearless, and yeah, um, he's got some speed. Um, and he proved it today. Uh, another guy that's showing a lot of speed, Ross Branch. Botswana native um, on the Monster Energy Yamaha team. He came in second place. Uh, we didn't have him on our picks at all, but most of the people that commented on Instagram had yeah. him winning. It's a lot of Ross Barrett Ranch. Uh, yeah, they saw they saw something we missed sitting here in our cozy office. And just 13 seconds back from Beretta. So yeah, like on like, on his wheel. Darn good, virtually. Pick. Yeah, and then uh, you know the ISDE champ Daniel Sanders came in third. Uh, so we have Honda, Yamaha, KTM taking the podium on the stage, really seeing uh, a lot of tightening up. I mean, yep. Sanders is only 53 seconds behind. So this is all, all these guys were within a minute today after racing for, you know, three hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. So long, you know, still a long stage. I mean, almost four hours on the bike and yep. Daniel Sanders only 53 seconds off of Beretta's pace. So yeah, he's he's riding really good. There was some good swapping back and forth between the waypoints today. We're seeing some real good racing. Um, you know, uh, not a lot of one guy leading the whole day. And Ricky was up there in the mix. He had some problems in the middle of the day or early part of the stages. It looks like he lost quite a bit of time between the second and third waypoints. And uh, he ended up coming in fourth. Um, he's down two twenty four on the day. Yeah. Um, so good day. Yeah, I mean, a decent day for Ricky. I think he, you know, every minute counts at this point yes it does but, yeah. um i think he's still in a better starting position going into the marathon day yeah so i don't think he intended to lose a couple minutes but at the same time he's he's still on solid ground 
um, a ways back in the overall, in the general classification. So we're looking yeah. at nearly 20 minutes back uh, in the general classification on, for Ricky Brabeck. So yep, he's sitting in 13th. Um, yeah, 19 minutes, 56 seconds back. Um, he's the last guy within 20 minutes of the leader, uh, who is Toby Price now. Um, Toby had a good day today. Uh, he finished in seventh overall. Didn't lose too much time, even though he started in third place out of the gate today. Yeah, it looks like Toby, he had a good ride. It sounds like he was um, kind of battling back and forth with uh, with Nacho and... Um, Kevin. Kevin Benavides. Yep. So, you know, it looks like Toby, it took him a while to get to the front. And once he got up, caught up to those guys, then they pretty much opened the stage the whole time. Yeah, pretty cool watching um, Kevin Benavides led the stage. And then uh, Nacho was right behind him. Um, and I think Toby really keyed off those guys today. But we have a sound clip from yeah. Toby. Got a little uh, little sound clip here from him. So we'll hear, hear it from, from Toby Price. Hear from Price. Yeah, today they cut uh, 100 kilometres out of the, st- the stage, so uh, definitely helped us a little bit there because, um, yeah, we're tired at the end, but these two boys behind me, they let out all day and um, absolutely on fire. It was abs- The pace was crazy, so big credit to them boys. Um, yeah, they, they led the whole day, so it was pretty, pretty damn wild. But, uh, um, yeah, we're, we're at rest day now, so this is the main thing, and um, try and, yeah, regather ourselves back up and cruise along. But, uh, yeah, like I say, the boys put the pace down today, and Kevin and Nacho did a great job. Uh, it's been a mixed bag of everything, really, so it's been up and down everywhere. But, um, yeah, look, all in all, uh, we're, we're still in the fight. We're still there in the race, so... Anything can happen. There's a long way to go. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to week two already. Um, I think yesterday was our worst moment, but also probably the best moment. I finished in a pretty good spot. Um, But, yeah, the navigation, I was quite uh, disappointed with myself yesterday. We made a lot of mistakes. And, um, yeah, all in all, uh, uh, we're we're still in the race, like I say, but uh, we need need to clean those things up a little bit. And then, yeah, we should be good to go. Yeah, everything is good. The bike is good. I had one little crash there today, um, just out of a corner, and yeah, broke a shroud. But other than that, um, everything with the bike has been really good this week. So, well, yesterday we had a brake pedal uh, come off, but nothing major. Everything is um, everything is good, and hopefully the bike will uh, get through, get us through the second week. All right, brake pedal falls off. Not nothing major for Toby Price. No big deal. It slows you down anyway. We don't need no brake pedals. For sure. And you should take that off at the beginning of the stage. Yeah. I don't think he uses it much. So. <laughs> it doesn't right. look like it. So uh, really cool hearing him, you know, showing a lot of respect for the two Honda teammates, Kevin Benavides and Nacho Cornejo out front. Just Yeah. So, yeah, he was he was alluding to the fact that he rode with Nacho and Kevin, yep. and uh, he was very complimentary towards their navigation and their ability to open the stage. Yeah. He probably didn't have to uh, lead himself too much and try to try to push it yep. over there when those guys were leading out. I mean, they were only a few minutes in front of him, but he probably was, was keen off of them and used that to his advantage today. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I, I notice is you can, you can really hear the fatigue in Toby's voice right now. He's yeah. it sounds like he's ready. He's one of the guys that's ready for the rest day. Yeah. These guys, you know, they, they push so hard every day at these things that, you know, they can't turn it off when they're on the bike. So when they get off, it kind of all catches up to them, I think, especially, you know, six stages in and 
looking forward to that rest day, which we're kicking off bright and early tomorrow. They're probably going to sleep in a little bit, probably get a lot of physio help, work out the kinks. Yeah. And exciting. You know, one guy who, who impressed me today is, is Nacho, Nacho Conejo. Yeah. So Nacho started second today off the gate, not an ideal starting position when you're going into sand dunes. Number one, not great for what was going to be a huge stage, but ended up just being a very, very large stage. And, um, you know, starting yeah. in second place, the guy, he finished 11th on the day, which yep. is, which is pretty impressive. But, uh, you know, he, he only lost about seven minutes, six, six fifty two to Beretta. But really the big news is he's sitting in, in third overall in the general and yeah, you know, only three minutes back. And, and we have to say four it honestly. Yeah. He's four minutes behind. And that's with a one minute penalty that he accrued at some point. We don't really know why it could be a, could be a speeding penalty or something on the highway. It's, it's hard to say. Uh, no, excuse me. That's, that's Ross, Ross. That's Ross Branch. Ross Branch is the speeder. Benavides has a two-minute penalty. Yeah, yeah. So, somewhere out there, Benavides got a two-minute penalty for pinning it or probably, yeah, probably a speed violation or something like that on the highway because they do have speed limitations on some of the transfer sections depending on you know, if they're going through residential areas or just in general, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you have, it, it tracks you on your GPS and sometimes what'll happen is you'll come into a village and if you're not paying attention to your road book and you're yeah. just kind of zoning out, riding on the highway, you'll come in a little hot yep. and the thing starts beeping at you and then buzzing you. and it's letting you know. And if you don't get it slowed down within, I think you have like a 80 meter window breaking period where you can slow the bike down. And once you break through that 80 meter window you get a minute, you minute or two penalty accruing penalties okay and so it's not it's not intentional by these guys it's sure just kind of enforcement i mean they were on the bike for four hours before the stage started the other day and they're just like yep. pinning it and like you turn into a zombie at that point so yeah and occasionally we will have speed zones in the special sure um, it was very common in south america now in in i think things are a lot more remote in yeah, saudi right. so they're a safety measure villages but they're gotcha probably will be still a couple times when they have speed zones during the special and gotcha. it's just when when the stage goes through a village or something they'll they'll make you slow down yeah so back to nacho um he's only three minutes out of the lead really 257 and that's after leading you know he started yep. second today and he didn't lose any time and if you look at where he and ricky were a couple days ago they were right next to each other yeah and this is this is where Ricky wants to be. This is if his plan worked perfectly, he'd be in Nacho's shoes right now, right behind him or right in that mix in the top five, right? Exactly. If if Ricky didn't lose the time on yesterday's stage, he would be sitting his strategy would have put him right at the right top of the Toby charts and Ricky today. And yeah, going into the rest day. But, but unfortunately, you know, it's it's rally and things happen. So Yeah. But I think uh, we have a little sound clip from from Nacho, so uh it's always fun to listen to. So we'll we'll go ahead and put that up and uh here we yeah. go. Awesome. Yeah, today the plan was to do a team job with my teammate Kevin. He started first, me second. And, well, we didn't want to lose too much time uh, to the guys in the back. So the plan was to push. If I catch him, let's switch. And that's what we did. We did a little bit of shake and bake out there, switching positions and pushing. We knew Toby eventually was going to cut us because he's really fast. But when he caught us, we kept pushing, and I think we did a pretty good job. We opened the, the whole stage together, all sand dunes. That's not easy, and I think we did it uh, at a 
very good good speed so i don't know the result of today but i'm happy with uh, what we did today so tomorrow rest day are you happy with uh, with this with you first week yeah we started the rally maybe not the best you know day one day two i made some like dumb mistake very stupid <laughs> and uh, i knew I, w i could do better so in day two even with that mistake i did good but after that i had the the speed i was focused already and i started to do some solid stages so yeah i think we finished a pretty solid first week right there in the battle uh for the top uh, spots in the overall so i'm very happy with the rally until now uh now it's a good time to rest and to start to think on the next week last question uh, Nacho. What, what was your best moment of the week and your worst My worst moment for sure, stage one. Uh, my suspension setup wasn't very uh, good for the, the conditions here, and I made some mistakes because I wanted to go fast, but it was very tricky navigation, so I made a, a lot of little mistakes that cost me a lot of time. So for sure, day one was my lowest, and my highest moment maybe yesterday or today, opening the stage and be there in the top uh, spots of the stage is not easy so maybe uh, yesterday was my top moment of the week right nice hearing from nacho always good to hear from nacho he's he doesn't a, sound as tired but i think he's ready for a nap yeah i mean he, he sounds pretty fresh for sure and you know he's a young guy he's got a lot of energy and yeah so it's uh <laughs> it's definitely pretty cool to uh to see you know, how well these young guys are opening stages and how well they're navigating. And I think some of that kind of comes down to some of the training they've been doing here in the U.S. Yeah, as, uh, you know, Ricky even mentioned in his first interview he did with us, he doesn't think anybody in the world can match what they're doing, and Nacho was out here training with him yeah, you know, Nacho, very often. You know, he's a Chilean rider, and yep. fortunately there were, there was no restrictions from COVID for uh Chile. people from South America to enter the U.S. So Nacho spent a lot of time here in the U.S. this year yep. training out with Jimmy and Johnny and the guys. So, And if you also remember in Toby's interview, I think we talked about this yesterday, um, that's his dark horse for second place behind himself because Toby's sure he's going to win, as yeah. he should be. But he said he was impressed last year with Nacho's ability to lead and not lose time. And again, I think uh, he had that impression with Toby today because Toby gave him big shout out in his interview yep very, i think that's you know it's very cool very cool um a couple people that uh made a little bit of moves today adrian van beveren was really much more aggressive today than we've seen him in a, in the past you know he Your ended guy. up my, my guy adrian guy. adrian uh he finished sixth today which is a good finish for him um he did lose some time at the end uh we don't know exactly why Um, but it was nice to see him up there. Uh, Matias came on pretty strong. Um, uh, Joaquim, Joaquim, Joaquim Rodriguez. Rodriguez. We got to talk about. We got to talk about J Rod. Yeah. U.S. Super U.S. racer, U.S. based racer. Um, but um, he's from Portugal. Yeah. Portuguese rider. He yep. he spent a lot of time here in the U.S. racing Supercross. Yeah, he all you Supercross fans will remember his name. Rode for yeah, he rode for KTM back in. He's a factory know, KTM 2000s. rider, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah he he was two thousand, you know, eight. Ooh, Jaegermeister KTM. Yeah, maybe. Jaegermeister. <laughs> back in the <laughs> back in those, those days. days. Uh, yeah, so lots, a lot's changed in the last twelve years. <laughs> Not my freezer. I still got Jaegermeister in my freezer, thanks to Ryan Dudek. Yeah. Shout out to Ryan Dudek out there. So uh, J-Rod, he's on the Hero Motorsports team 
which you have a weird connection with because Hero Motorsports, Hero is an Indian-based company, correct? Yes. And they bought the old Husqvarna platform. Uh, so the BMW-owned Husqvarna basic yep. platforms. Um, and that's the old Speedbrain Husqvarna, BMW-owned. BMW yeah, yeah, so that's the old platform same bikes so that bike then. has been has been passed around and it's it's been around it was the old 2000, originally the 12, bmw 13? g450x yep. that they turned into a rally bike so yep. that was you know back in 2010 2010 I was when that bike came out i think um, yep. and you know speed brain was in charge of the bmw rally program sure. back in those days uh they they took that bike it was the one that had the swing arm pivot through the counter shaft yeah. sprocket yeah. i did that intro in it was Spain. actually you know not the best bike ever made it's a good idea it just kind of had some weird geometry had some yeah. weird things happen when you hit the gas but what what speedbrain did is they actually took that but that engine and yeah. moved the swing arm pivot back built a chassis around it and made a, a pretty good rally bike a really good rally bike at the time well we're talking 2012 13 is when they had that thing finalized Yep, and you so, had just come back from a couple of years racing Dakar, and you signed a contract with them. Yeah, yeah. So I had back in 2012, I had, I had signed a contract with Husqvarna so, to ride for Speedbrain Rally Team. Monster um, Energy hat, Speedbrain Quinn Cody. Yes. He's ready to kick off his Dakar Rally racing career. His dreams yep. ever since he was a little boy living in a cave. This is what he dreamed of. And then what happened? Then yeah, I, I, so I, I broke my femur at the Baja 1000. So one, I had one you know, thing happened. Not very much time to get ready for Dakar. So that wasn't going to happen. Which is another great sure. story. We have to get into your truck then, ride back yeah, yeah, in New that's Mexico. A, that's but another that's show. a different show. Yeah. Uh, then after Dakar that year, as in fact, I think the day that Dakar finished, um, like, February 1st or something. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Pierre from KTM, the owner of KTM, announced that he had purchased Husqvarna. The KTM big dog comes BMW. in. The acquisition takes place. Husqvarna joins the KTM family of brands. Quinn's sitting there. This is going to be great. Yeah. But now it, I got a KTM really factory ride. work out that way because somewhere in the contract, KTM didn't acquire Speedbrain Rally Team. So you were just... I was kind of on my own there just for a little while just and, vaporized uh, in yeah, front of my, you my contract vaporized and <laughs> you know that was uh that was done i actually did get to go do a couple of rallies i did a rally in the middle east with uh with the speed brain guys that year and you know kind of first ride back from broken femur right. and just kind of got around and you know it was it was okay but um you know and then that team had been kind of passed around it disappeared for a little while wolfgang mm -hmm. fisher actually ran the honda rally team for a couple of years so he ran the hrc team right uh kind of put the speed brain brand on hold yep um and he's actually the guy that called me yep. looking for a young american okay to race rally comes back around and so that was when we delivered him Ricky Brabeck. Yeah. That's when you called Ricky and said, Hey, we got to talk about trying something. Let's go yeah. out here and race this stuff. So it rallies a small world. For and, sure. You yeah. know, it, it, it all, it all comes back around for sure. And uh, Wolfgang yeah. is a, is a great guy. Um, 
Yep. He, you know, he ran the, uh, the rally team with Ricky and with Beretta and those guys for a couple of years. Then right. I think they kind of had a falling out with HRC. Sure. Went under new management. Yep. Here Wolfgang we are. Wolfgang made a deal with Hero in India to race, to brand his Speedbrain platform. Yep. So now they've been back the last couple of years under On. the Hero name. Probably some updates to those bikes. Yeah, I think but they've, they've made some updates. I mean, they're a really technical, good team. But, but essentially uh, the same the same bike that yep. you were you were yep. piloting. So, and and it's cool to see J-Rod. You know, he's finishing top six in the stage. And, you know, he's he's been putting in some good results. I mean, he's 17th overall. It's kind of cool seeing a, you know, not a, not a mainstream brand that you would think up there, you know, competing with, with a cool name. Like J-Rod raced Supercross Motocross for a long time here in the yeah. U.S. And and those of you who don't know what Hero is, yeah, Hero is a massive, massive motorcycle company from Definitely. India. I, w- I would have to look at the numbers, but I want to say they're one of the largest, if not the largest, motorcycle yeah. manufacturer by volume in yeah. the world. Yeah, I believe they are first or second. Yeah, um, and, uh, I knew and we're talking, point. yeah in the millions of millions of motorcycles sold. sold. So, um, they have a big following in that, what they call emerging markets. So, you know, Asia, those areas, um, there's a lot of fans, small displacement bikes for the most part, but they also make and sell larger displacement motorcycles and they have very big following. And so they are a, a competitor of, of our partner at KTM Bajaj, who's, you know, does our joint products. Sure. And manufacturing um, you know, the, the small displacement KTM's 390s, yep. 200s, things like that are, you know, manufactured in India yep. by Bajaj, and they're really turning out some quality product these days. And yeah, I think Hero is kind of trying to get into a little bit bigger market, go with the bigger branded, you know, yeah. machines. So we haven't seen anything from Hero in kind of North America ever, but yeah, who knows. This is a worldwide race, as we've mentioned before. It gets tons of media coverage, so it's big for these guys to be here and knocking down those those positions. And you can uh, check those guys out on Instagram. Like it's a pro operation. They look like they are dialed in. Um, more more interesting people's finish on the stage today. Um, Skyler looked like he was gonna maybe have the opportunity to make up a lot of time, but he looks like he struggled a little bit out there in some navigation. And we're gonna talk to him today. So yeah. we're going to get the Try inside get information Skyler from on him. The phone. Where did, where did Skylar finish today? He was tw- on the stage today. Skylar finished 12th. 12th. Yep. Okay. Um, and he started in seventh. So seventh would be a fairly advantageous position if you were going to make up some time. Um, but it looks like he lost some time right out of the gate, lost three minutes. And then he lost four minutes and five minutes in the middle of the stage. And then he had to crawl his way back up. And then ended up, you know, just finishing it out in twelfth. Yeah. So um, let's let's try to get Skylar on the phone here and yeah. uh, see see how things went for him today. Yeah, get a little can. inside info. I don't have to make shit up. I can just ask Skylar. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right. There's there's Skylar Howes. We're talking to him. Um, uh, we just uncovered. We just reported that you were in twelfth, and what happened? It looks like you got assessed a penalty. Yeah, so um, unfortunately, uh, when they went out and did all the reconnaissance for, you know, this stage, there was a bunch of camels, like, you know, herders or like nomads, and they had set up this camp, all their camps out in the valley. And uh, 
So in order to get past the camp safely, they put a bunch of speed zones out. Just it's like a wide open valley. Right. And they put a bunch of speed zones out there. Well, since the uh, now that we're it's race time, yeah. they all the camp all the camps have moved. So now there's just a bunch of random speed zones out in the middle of a wide open valley. Okay, so they put these speed and, zones out there to like protect these nomadic herders or a village or village something like or that. Something. And then when the race actually turns around, it's kind of empty. So there's not a there's nothing signaling you that you should be slowing down. Now you're just you're just looking at the roadbook and yeah. the GPS trying to figure out where these speed zones are in the middle of nowhere, basically. And you blew one. Yeah. And why why they're even there. Like normally yeah. sometimes they do a good job at it. You know, we're going by some dude who has like a corral or uh-huh. something out there. But we're literally there's nothing out there. Sure. It's an empty valley. At all. Gotcha. Yeah. And so yeah, we just have like a bunch of random speed zones and there was four in a row. Okay. And I had done a pretty good job of slowing down for all of them and, and entering everything. And I had misread my odometer okay. and thought that I was out of it. And I had already, I was past the last, you know, the, the last one and started going. And one thing they're doing th- different this year is, uh, when you get to a double caution in the road book, the GPS unit will actually beep at you to try and make things a little bit safer. So a double caution and, is like uh, extreme danger. It should be, right? Right. Yeah, well, I mean, so, it's subjective. It, it should be. Yeah. It, it, it should be objective, definitely. But, um, you know, so a single caution, basically, don't even really slow down. Like, if there's something there, be aware of it. Okay. A double caution should be you're going to, you're, you're going to go home in an ambulance triple caution is you're not going to make it. Okay. So, but now for whatever reason, they're double cautions. They're, they're overly protective of it. Cause okay. so a double caution basically is like, nah, you can probably wheelie it and you'll be fine. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so, um, but the device I, that I'm, warns you when you hit one of these, um, it is the same device that warns you when you hit a speed zone. Correct. Cor- yep. Correct. And it almost so, has the same, sequence of beeps and things so you could if you're tired and fatigued and dyslexic on your road book or your odometer you're thinking ah it's another double caution i'm cool i'm just gonna read the desert and go but this time it was actually a speed zone yeah well the problem was that they put the double caution on the exact note that the speed zone actually started oh gotcha yeah so so you have normally yeah both in one in one note that's tricky yeah, so normally if you enter a speed zone, you have a 90-meter radius to slow down in time. Okay. And if you enter in that radius and you're going over the speed you limit, it'll just give you a wide-open beep. Gotcha. It's like slow and, down, dude. Yeah. So, uh, and then the double caution is a, is a two-beep. It'll give you a sequence uh, of two beeps happened. twice. Yep. So yeah. just you and, know, a little tricky spot there, and it kind of caught you out. Man, that's tricky. Yeah, that's, that's so I got the, the two beep thinking yeah. I was in the double caution. So I'm like, okay, check up here. And then I get a wide open beep and I look down. I'm in a speed zone, a 30 kilometer an hour speed zone doing 100, and, which uh, no. is a big fat penalty. Yep. So it looks like they gave you five minutes on the uh, on the speed zone violation. Um, other other than that, how was how was the rest of your day? Well, they actually shortened the stage by a hundred kilometers, which was, 
I think all of us, I, I don't think any of us wanted to ride a hundred more kilometers of dunes because <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, did so you, did they, did they take that off the front end of the stage? Did they, um, start you further in the stage or did they take it off the back end? How did, how did they adjust it? They took it straight out of the middle actually. Oh, really? So, okay. um, they took out kilometer 250 to 350. Oh, um, and it was a 450 kilometer special. Um, and basically it was a hundred kilometers straight of dunes. Gotcha. Interesting. So, did and, you guys have to make some kind of adjustment to your road book in the morning or did they deliver it to you with that section already cut out? No. So they gave us a complete road book, but then gave us an already printed modification. So when we got to the edit area, when they allowed us to, so normally we get a 20 oh, minute right. editing period and uh-huh. today they give us a 30 minute one so we could okay. uh, edit that in and cut it in and, and, and tape it. So that was probably um, some of the consideration for the hour and a half delayed start to this morning. Yep, exactly. Got it. Um, so, I mean, the dunes were actually pretty fun and it's wild, you know, in the States, especially on the West coast, it's like Christmas if it rains and right. we're yep. here in the middle of nowhere, Saudi Arabia, and we've had like four days of wet dirt. That's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All the That's people cool. listening out on the West coast are just dreaming of that right now. West, it huge. Nothing, yeah. Nothing like wet sand dunes for and, sure. I've seen some of the images on TV and it's, it looks so fun. Are these massive dunes yeah. that you're riding through in these stages or have they just been huge and you know, like glamorous and those, you know, like epic dunes or what's it like? So we're not climbing up huge, massive dunes. They're yeah. just endless. They're just they okay. just go on forever and uh one thing that the organization has done really good this year but i don't like it is they're running <laughs> us the wrong direction on the dunes they, oh. they they are running us so we're dropping off of these big dune cuts and like big drop-offs instead of able to come into them and jump the dunes you know yeah yep. so <clears throat> you have to read a flat dune basically to try and figure out which one of them is going to be a 10 foot drop on the other side. So getting up them is not the problem. So, it's getting down them that you have to pay attention to. Yeah. And you know, any, anyone that's ever ridden dunes or if you haven't ridden dunes, um, generally the, the direction that the prevailing wind blows forms the dunes, like a kind of like a ripple in the, in the ocean. And so there's a, like, it, it's like a wave breaking. There's like a it's, cup on the end of it. It's round on one side and then it drops off on the other side and like a scallop. If you're running into that then it's it's not as bad but if you're running kind of i guess it would almost be like downwind then mm-hmm. you're you're going off all those drops and continuously and it makes it much more difficult to and then the blow sand the dunes. blows off the top of the dune off that edge accumulates on the bottom and it's much softer than the stuff that's been blown by the wind so you can't see what you're dropping off of and you're dropping it as really soft sand yeah yeah so like I said, we've kind of lucked out that it's been a little bit wet. So dropping off of it hasn't been too bad. There's a couple of videos you can see like someone dropping off, and they get, they sink a little bit, but, um, uh-huh. it's just re it's really hard work. It's, uh-huh. it's actually a lot of hard work on the body to just drop off of, you know, yeah. two, three, five foot dunes all day. I mean, you're doing like, and full have like a- CrossFit burpees all day long on a, you know, 500 pound race bike. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And especially if it's full. Yeah. Especially if it's full of gas front and rear, that kind of segues into how you're feeling going into the rest day. You've put in some serious miles. You've been in contention every day. You've put yourself in a 
good position every day, ridden like a veteran. Today's like the first maybe mistake that's cost you time that, you know, you didn't really want to uh, to make up the next day. How are you feeling now? How's your bike looking? Like, is there anything locking up on your body that you're not going to be able to loosen up in a day? No, I, you know, surprisingly, I, I have fared better um, than I expected. Uh, the dunes I feel like are my weak point just because it's, you, you have to be really, really physically fit. And I feel like my physical fitness was probably not up to my par. And so you were I working dig- overtime instead of working overtime in the gym. Cause Skylar was yeah, punching the clock exactly. instead of punching the gym bags. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can get me started on that one, but it's just, <laughs> I mean, it's just, Hey, well, bottom line but, is, man, um, you're there doing it, and you're you're doing a great job. Yeah, really. I mean, even with that penalty, I think you only dropped one spot with that penalty in the overall standing. So now you're in ninth overall instead of eighth overall. So far, I don't know what these penalties are going to get assessed to other people now because it's changing pretty quickly. But again, we've been saying sit in ninth place, and you're looking good. There's still opportunities Dude, to make up time. What's crazy is look at how close the whole top 10 is. Like yeah. this this point last year, I think I was like almost an hour down and in the top 10 and everyone in the top 10 is separated by seconds or minutes. Like it's Toby even said it in one of his posts, but yeah. and Matias said it today, Matias has ridden every single day like it's the last day of Dakar. Like you wow. are just pushing as hard as you possibly could to make up his lost time. Every other day is kind of like okay, manage ride to the finish line and save your energy but everyone is just on it like crazy you know the pace people are holding paces that are bananas yeah we've been riding every day yeah we've been seeing that i mean when joan bereda is setting the pace it's going to be a fast pace and it's sort of like his race this year it's it's that mentality to go out pin it see what happens the next day yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, it seems like it's starting to tighten up. The gaps are getting a little bit smaller than they were, say, the first couple of days. Yeah. But do you think that trend's going to continue? Do you think it's going to start to to tighten up in the harder to make up time in the range? Yeah. As we start to get, you know, into the marathon day and things like that. Or do you think it's going to continue to do this crazy swing? I think it's going to continue to do the swing, honestly, because. Like we had talked about before, they're making it dif- the navigation difficult for people who are opening. So you have a race going on at the back of the pack, and then you have a race going on at the front of the pack. And it's just this big yo-yo effect. And I think where the navigation comes into play is actually not in the dunes. Everyone thinks the navigation is most difficult in the dunes, but it's, it's really not because there's not a ton of stuff to choose from. You just have a cap heading and you have dunes and, and you go that way. Yep. But where it gets difficult is where we get into these open rocky valleys with 40 different trails to choose from. And you have to really try to just figure it out. So I think the, the, you know, the North part of the country gets a lot more into the rocky river beds and to some tricky, you know, those cap moyens. So right. I, yeah, I think the front of the pack might have some more of those swings. Yeah. We've seen, um, we've seen people turning around and going the other direction in live tracking. We've heard it from people too. Um, um, how are you, how are you planning to manage that going forward? Cause now is, is now, is now when you start planning how you're going to make time to break into that podium in top three. Uh, stop speeding. 
that's definitely uh, <laughs> number one goal. <laughs> Never want to give away time, right? Yeah, right. You don't want to give away yeah, five minutes for, you. for sure. But I was kicking myself so hard today on that one. So I, because you can look back through and, and see what penalty or like you know if you sped or if you've missed yeah. waypoints. And I looked back and I saw that one. I was like, no, because I saw how much it dinged me for. I was like, yeah. oh, this uh, is going to be a bad that's one. That's the so, worst. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think I'm just going to keep the the exact same strategy that I've had every day is um, probably just try to keep, you know, every day do the best I can. And if I have a day that I'm feeling really good, then really, you know, go for it. But if, uh, yeah, if I'm not feeling good, then I'm not going to go for it. Then, so it is what it is. I think for me, I'm just, uh, man, okay. like I said, the pace is so high and trying to get in the top 10 is gnarly. Yeah, well, you're you're in the top ten. You're there, man. Stay there as much as you can. Yeah, you're doing great. Get some rest, and you know, have a have a good marathon stage, and you know, be we'll be excited to see how it shakes out. We're we're on the edge of our seats over here. Yeah, everybody's cheering for you. Um, everybody's pumped on how well you're doing, and man, we're gonna really be watching this marathon stage like really closely. That's gonna be really exciting for yeah. us, and we just wish you the best of luck, man. Thanks so much for calling. Right on. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, Scott. See ya. All right. Later. Always awesome to talk to Skyler, especially after a tough day for him, but um, he's got his head on straight still. Yeah. I mean, you know, Skyler's always really generous with his time, and it's it's nice to uh, yeah. get him on the phone. I'm sure he's going to appreciate tomorrow, rest day. Yeah. I think I think everybody's going to appreciate the rest day. It's It's probably this year more important than even in years past. I know, you know, sometimes guys want to keep, keep charging, keep the, the rally rolling and keep the game. You know, if you're going. one of the more fit guys, maybe you want, you want your competitors to get tired. Yeah. Right. I think but everybody's at that I think stage. Everybody's though. been pushing really hard this first week. And the pace is just insanely fast. Skyler talked about it. We've been assuming it is and just looking at numbers and speed and seeing how fast they're going. But I think as a, yeah. As a whole, the whole you know group is moving through the desert so fast that it's just starting to take its toll right. on people. And, you know, you, you hear you hear Skylar talking about just kind of brain fading and, and blowing the speed zone, and you know those penalties, and, and those are really tough to swallow because it's five minutes, you know, and there's no one else to blame. It's like you you know you just missed something in the road book or yep. made a mental judgment error, and it's it it's always hurts to give away time like that. Yeah, for and sure. I'm Free sure time. he'll be looking at that at the end of the rally and going, oh man, if I only had those five minutes back. Uh, <laughs> hindsight is going to be painful for penalties for sure. But at the same time, um, it sets him up going into the marathon stage. Yep. He's now, instead of starting 12th, he's starting 19th. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a possibility he could make up more than that, more than five, that minutes. five minutes. So he's in a good spot still. We like we like following Skylar around. He's always seems to be doing a good job. Um, rest day tomorrow. These guys are going to have time to work on their bikes. They're going to have time to get their stuff in order. Maybe yeah. fill up some food that they've been avoiding. And you know, we'll see if we can get a couple of these guys on the phone tomorrow. Yeah, we'll they, try uh, to do a little recap you know, show little tomorrow rest. for the first half of the rally, and then it's not a long rest. They're going back into stage seven, the first stage of a marathon stage. And I don't, I don't know how to explain this to people again, but it's. 471 kilometers of special again right out of the gate plus 267 of liaison so they're going to probably be getting up early because this is a big day and as we've seen the 
the organization is being very cautious with time and, oh, that's a long day. Yeah, long day. And then, you know, again, to recap the marathon stage, no assistance. So when they come in, they have no mechanic, they have no masseuse, they're, you know, sleeping in and we, we still don't know where they're sleeping. But, yeah. Uh, imagine it'll be some kind of a bunkhouse or something. Yep. And tent in the um, dirt. Yeah. So they need to really conserve their bodies and conserve their bikes on the first day of the marathon stage, especially because there's no one on the other end to help you with repairs. Yep. And that, that plays into the fatigue that everybody's having. It's going to increase mental mistakes. People are going to make more mistakes. If the navigation gets into more of those stony washes and riverbeds that Skylar was talking about, um, those, those for you that don't understand, maybe you're coming up a, a street and there's 20 streets going in front of you and your instructions say, go on the Northwest street, but they're all kind of going Northwest. You basically just have to pick one that's the most Northwest. I mean, they have a compass heading, so it's like 150 degrees or whatever, but there can be, these things don't make right angles out in the natural world. They make meandering stream bed angles that aren't pointing in a straight line. So they got to pick one, go, and they don't realize they're long until it meanders off of that yeah, cap so, heading. You know, when, when we hear Skylar talk about, you know, Moyen, cap Moyen, that this yep. basically is, is meaning the average cap. So it's like eh, basically this direction. You're mostly going more or less. <laughs> more or less. Basically how it translates. So yeah. it's more or less 220 degrees on your compass. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. it's close to that. And, you Good know, luck. there might be one road that's mostly 225 degrees, more or less. And there might be one that's 215 degrees. So. You really have to uh, kind of, you know, get get He's, that down, and and what the what the roadbook builder is actually doing, how they're thinking, and you kind what, of get in their head, right? Average, because my average might be different than yeah. Jesse's average. That's for so, sure. <laughs> you know, my average is much lower. As, as the as the week progresses, now they're starting to understand the guy that's building the roadbook and, yeah. and the style that he's using. Yep. Yep, you're going to be able to predict when these uh, roadbook notes come up and kind of almost start understanding his language as he built the roadbook. Um, I think we got some more questions that came in that are pretty good. Yeah, we had a couple questions. I think, um, you know, one of them was, again, we're getting kind of a lot of questions about tires. Yep, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, and, you know, that the thing with tires is, you know, they... One of the, one of the questions we got was, you know, do they have do the the elite riders have a special tire, you know, a special tire like developed, a different tire, yeah. Yes. And so the answer to that is, in, in years past, Michelin has has developed a couple different compounds, but generally they're running what what's called the Michelin Desert Race Tire, mm -hmm. and it's a, a rally tire. Um, they have they have a front version and a rear version. Yep. Um, in years past, they did have a marathon compound that gotcha. was just for the marathon stages. Okay. Most of the riders hated it. Because it's a because rock. It was just hard as a rock. Yeah. Um, then they had a mid-hard tire and a mid-soft tire. Wow, that were okay. only available to the, elite. to the elite guys. Okay. Um, so, but I think this year it's kind of taken the more aggressive tires out of the equation Yep. So I think they're all pretty much going to be running the standard tire. 
because they they just want something that's going to work across the board. They're not going to run anything more aggressive. Gotcha. Um, on the front, they for years and years they ran the Michelin Desert Front, and okay. this was the the go to tire. But it's it's twenty five years old. Okay, I mean, the thing has been around forever, and yeah. so they've kind of developed. They've some of the newer riders with the newer lighter bikes have started running uh, the Michelin Enduro front tire, which is like a six days front tire. Okay, yeah, and it works really well on the rally bikes. Um, they have a couple different sizes that they can choose from. A wider one, or yeah, yep, yep, and uh, I think you know that that's been one of the progressions is is changing the fronts. Um, maybe some of the amateurs still run the old Michelin Desert because it's bomb proof and you know, yeah, it'll last forever. That's what they're looking for, something they don't have to think about, right. but one it, less thing to think about. The one thing is that they do still have to run a, a DOT approved tire or FIM approved tire, so it has to be mm. a street legal tire. So they're they not grabbing motocross front tire. tires for yeah. the sand or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I think in the past, um, we've heard they were swapping tires before a special that might be a sand tire, more of a yeah, more of an aggressive tire, and then dropping that a off a little more aggressive, but it still has to be. You know, that's when they were going from like the mid hard to the mid soft okay, or something gotcha. like that. So, okay. It's, still, now, it's not going to be a paddle tire. Yeah. When they get now to the I think the new rule has pretty much eliminated that. Yeah. And they do have to be on street legal. Okay. Um, gotcha. And, you know, the other thing is kind of worth talking about is Michelin has pretty much kind of dominated the rally game recently. You know, there's yeah. uh, some of the big teams have been sponsored by uh, different, different brands. And, uh, but, in the end, I think the riders pretty much threw their hands up and said, no, if we're running that tire, we're not riding. Okay. So, yeah. um, you Even, know, we won't name any names here, yeah. but it, Michelin has kind of dominated the, the scene and, um, tires are, you know, they're a big part of the, the thing. I mean, that's your connection to the ground. And I always tell people, you know, the best thing you can do to improve your bike is, tires especially on uh, the adventure bike stuff that you're involved in a lot of time i've ridden um one of your adventure bikes with the michelin desert race tires on it and yeah work. i mean they they work and work. you know they're they're aggressive I, i've always said that to people is the the quickest way to improve your bike is tires <laughs> and the quickest way to ruin your bike is tires <laughs> so right you know that's that's a big deal um you know, when I did Dakar, I was, uh, I was supported by Dunlop and, you know, Dunlop makes a, a rally tire. Yep. Um, they, they don't have anything really up to date for the current generation of like 450 rallies, but at sure. the time, you know, I was, I was struggling. And so we, uh, we made a deal with Dunlop that they would support our whole team. Mm -hmm. And so what that did is that knocked my, my budget down. Okay. Gotcha. So, you know, cause all the other guys on the team were, were buying tires Sure. and your tire bill for Dakar, I mean, you know, can be upwards of $7,000. So, wow. you know, if I had three other guys on the team that were basically contributing to my budget because yep. Dunlop support, then, you know, that, that helped me sure. get to the rally, get to the, to mm -hmm. the start of the race. Yeah. And, talk uh, about a really specialized tire for a specialized race. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't pan out for a lot of these tire companies to make a rally tire because like, who's going to buy it? There's like, a couple hundred guys a year that buy it and race it. But Michelin's deep into that. They're deep into the sport. They're tight with the organization and they're in there, you know, providing almost the official tire of the race. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, more questions to come. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about during the rest day. And the man, that marathon stage is going to be exciting. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It, it looks like they're going to 
they're going to wake up at four or they're going to start the liaison stage on the marathon day at 4.40 a.m. Oh, I'd be going to bed right now for the whole day tomorrow. I wouldn't even wake up tomorrow if I was right. them. So I would just keep It's going sleeping. to be a short rest day. As we go into the rest day, the general standings, you know, pending any other penalties that come in and make me look stupid. Toby's leading. He's got a two-minute, 16-second head start in front of Kevin Benavides. Kevin hasn't lost that much overall time, even though he's had to lead a couple tough days. Um, and then Nacho. So it's Red Bull, KTM factory team, Toby Price in first, Kevin Benavides in second. Uh, Nacho on the Monster Energy Honda team. He's only, I mean, it goes from 216 second place, two minutes 57th to third. Like Skyler was saying, Ross Branch on the Monster Energy Yamaha, three minutes and 41 seconds. Yeah. Xavier de Soltre on the Husky HT team, 341. He's basically tied for fourth place. Not yeah. basically. He is tied for fourth He's place. He's tied for fourth. <laughs> and, you know, I never thought we would see it this tight yep. at the rest day. I mean, to get over 10 minutes, you got to go back down to, you know, ninth and 10th place. So the top 10 guys are within 10 minutes, essentially. You know, uh, Pablo yep. Quintanilla is in 10th. He's 13 minutes, 15 minutes behind. So, so the top nine guys are in 10 minutes. Yeah, very really close, close race. And, you know, I think tomorrow maybe we can take a look back at that previous Dakar and see kind of where we stood at yeah, this Yeah, that'd point be interesting and, to see you know, how big that gap was. Again, Ricky Brabeck led from stage three last year to the end of the race. He didn't lose the lead of the race. And right now he's sitting in a somewhat uncomfortable 13th place, 19 minutes and 56 seconds back. Those minutes are going to be hard to find if everybody in front of him races well and doesn't make mistakes. But what he needs to happen in my mind is a couple time penalties, the guys up front and get some guys catching the speeding zones, but he needs to put down small gains for the next three days, two, three minutes at a time. Yeah. Or just one big lucky break or just put in a heater. Yeah. Fly out there and get 20 minutes on everybody, which we've seen. It's not years ago. Nobody would think that's going to happen this year. Who knows? You never know. I mean, he's again, kind of, you know, in the, in the strange kind of no man's land there. So yep. we'll see. And, you know, the other guy who's, who's been quietly consistent is Sam Sunderland. Yep. He's and, still there. You know, I think maybe he hasn't been putting in the same big efforts as the other guys. So it's going to be fun to watch what Sam does on, on week two. Yeah. He's only four minutes out of lead and he's in sixth place. He's got people in front of him and it's going to be fun to watch. So stay tuned everybody. We're not done yet. We got a lot of racing to go and yeah, we'll knock out a little recap show tomorrow for rest day and maybe get a couple guys on the phone. Yep, see if we can get some insight from some of those top guys. Maybe get Ricky on the phone, Toby again, whoever. Whoever will take our call, really. We're not picky. Yep. All right. All right. Well, thanks, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. See you tomorrow.